Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. But today the title is Blessed Are the Merciful. Blessed Are the Merciful. And we've been talking about the secret to true happiness, which really is supernatural joy, not externals, but the internal supernatural joy that we had. We did the first four, and the steps we did the first four are, I think Josh, you have that new slide there that Lori said she put together. We've been talking about the different steps leading to, to this, this true happiness, this, uh, this fulfillment that we have. And, and to the first four... That you see, poor, mourning, meek, hungry, are really about our vertical relationship, our relationship with God, and really leading to salvation, okay? If you've missed these, get the podcast, tapes, whatever. But this is where we realize we really need God, and we can't have a relationship with him without his righteousness that he gave us through Jesus Christ. And we've really focused on that. Those are the first four, are the vertical. But all of a sudden, we get to the step number five, and it goes horizontal here. And this is focusing, now Jesus goes from, now that we have this relationship with God, the Father, through Jesus Christ, now that we have that, now he starts to stress the effect that it should have on our horizontal relationship with other human beings. And this isn't salvation anymore. This is now sanctification. The result of our faith is the sanctification. And the first horizontal beatitude that we're going to look at today definitely, just like all the rest, definitely goes against the world's philosophy because it's about mercy, right? Mercy, and it goes against the philosophy of the world just like all the other ones here. The world's philosophy, as opposed to this one, could best... I'm trying to think of, I was trying to think of how to describe it. Probably the Clint Eastwood movies is the best way to describe the world's philosophy as opposed to mercy. Uh, you remember Pal Ryder, you know, revenge, you know, and, and uh, uh, High Plains Drifter, same idea. What did Clint, revenge, or Dirty Harry, you know, make my day, right? Just, it's all about, those are, you know, for the guys, those are kind of feel-good movies, you know. You know, we, we like those movies, you know. Someone wrongs you, blow them away, you know. That's, that's kind of the world's philosophy, right? And also, there's another part of mercy that has another contrast. And the other person that comes to mind, the opposite of what Jesus talks about, is Scrooge. Because it's Christmas time, we all know Ebenezer Scrooge and what he was all about. He was really every man for himself, Right? Let the, let the orphans die, you know. Let all the poor people die. Get out of the way so we can all, the rich people can have what we need. That's, that's the very opposite of what Jesus is also talking about. Scrooge, every man for himself. I think I even put that on the slide here. But Jesus gives a very, a, a very different way, a much different way of finding fulfillment. On living and finding fulfillment. And he's talking about mercy, first of all. That's the first step the fifth step, but the first horizontal step. And, and the idea is that now that we've received mercy from God through his son, Jesus Christ, now we can show mercy to other people. Easier said than done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship, which was just so focused on you. We thank you for this mission that you've called the Shields to, and we really are praying that you would... In your perfect time, send them out. We know our hope is that it would be this summer. We pray for your perfect time and perfect provision for them. Lord, we pray now that as we look at your word, that your spirit would speak to us. None of these beatitudes come naturally. They're only supernatural, and especially this one. Lord, we just pray that you, you would help us to realize your mercy and then be able to share that mercy with others. 
We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's read the verse here. Blessed, verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Once again, blessed is not, blessed means to be truly happy, supernatural joy, doesn't depend on externals, but is, is a, because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. But he says, blessed, those that are truly happy and truly blessed are the merciful. Now, mercy is an attitude, I, I think I have a, Put up the little equation. They have a math equation up there. Uh, is is two things: an attitude of compassion and sympathy. No, the the one that I actually sent you, Josh. If you can pull that one up. Well, anyway, I'm just going to say it, and if you can find it, great. But it's it's an attitude, compassion and sympathy, plus an action, meeting the mi- needs of misery equals mercy. So it's an attitude plus an action. It's, uh, it's more than a feeling. <laughs> Isn't there a song about that? There's more than a feeling. It involves an action. It's not just having the compassion, but it's an action that re- is released by that compassion. It's an action. In fact, in James 2, 14 to 17, which I think is a great way to look at this, he talk, he's talking about faith in action. And he says in verse 14, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Now, you know the rest of it. We went through the book of James. But let me just interject mercy in place of faith. Because you could do this with all the spiritual gifts. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have mercy but has no deeds? Can then such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, and interject once again, mercy by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. Now, that faith results in the mercy and the action. And, and I, just, I just think that you could do that with probably a lot, most of the fruits of the Spirit. Interject in place of faith. Put the different fruits because they're all the fruit of that faith. And that's the idea. Is it's more than a feeling. It's, it's an action. When Jesus cried for Lazarus, he didn't just cry. He raised him from the dead. Uh, Abraham was upset about Lot getting kidnapped. He went out and, and rescued him, even though he's a punk of a nephew. Uh, Joseph, even though... Even though his brothers were super nasty, I don't think anybody here has been treated worse by family members. You know, a lot of us have trouble with that, you know, forgiving hurts from family members, right? None of us have been treated worse than Joseph, right? Sold into slavery, left for dead by, by his brothers, and yet he still went out and, and saved them, his, the brothers from starvation, and, and, and reached out and saved them. And see, that's, that's what mercy is. It's not just compassion, but it's an action that results of it. And it's also, there's two parts, there's also this action, compassion, but there's also a graceful, merciful disposition. It's a disposition toward others, a forgiving spirit toward others is the other part. So it's not just feeling sorry for people and acting, but it's also just a general forgiving spirit that we have that's all part of mercy. Now, now as we're talking about this, it's obvious that, obvious that mercy is not natural. It does not come naturally to us. It's a supernatural fruit. Just like all the Beatitudes, we can't work these up. Now, there are some people who are naturally more merciful than others. I'm not one of them, I admit that. Right? But, but they're more naturally tend toward mercy. They're, they're, but even these people are limited by the human condition, which is called sin. All right? And also, anything that we do, do in the flesh 
is nothing compared to what we can do in the Spirit's power. So there is a world's mercy, and there are some people that are naturally merciful, but, but it's nothing compared to the supernatural gift that we're talking about here, nothing compared to the beatitude that Jesus is talking about. Also, the whole world's idea of mercy is very different from biblical mercy here, very, very different. The world's version of mercy is often misguided. You think of, in our culture, think of there's no consequences for action, right? Well, we're being merciful, so there, there can't be consequences for action. If somebody murders somebody, no big deal, let it go. That's kind of an attitude in our society. We can see it by the, the sentences getting shorter and shorter. Forget capital punishment, getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Well, real mercy says, yeah, but what about the victim? There's almost an attitude of whatever you do doesn't matter. You can get away with anything because we're merciful. Just kind of let it, that's that's a twisted mercy. Unless you you can you can kill somebody. Just don't. If you're a quarterback and shoot a dog, that's different. You hold you hold that person accountable. But but don't shoot a person, right? I'm I'm teasing the Eagles fans. But anyway, the but seriously, a lot of people won't won't forgive a football player who shoots a dog, and it's terrible what he did. But. A lot of the same people that are so passionate about these dogs being killed, and I, and I think it's terrible too, don't get me wrong, so some of these same people don't care about people being killed. I have these conversations. I say, you, know, you don't care about people being killed as much as you care about a dog. Like I said, I'm not real merciful. But anyway, the, uh, <clears throat> but it's also twisted. There's a, there's a twisted world, and this is important to understand. It's Mercy, what it is and what it isn't, it's not something that is opposed to God's law. And the world's version of mercy is often twisted and opposed. This is how you can tell if it's real mercy or not. It's, it's, it's opposed to God's law. I'll give you an example. I've spent a lot of time in ministry outside of abortion clinics. It's not a lot of fun. It's not something I look forward to. But I've spent time trying to help, especially when I was in Connecticut, New England, help to, try to just help not... Tried to talk to the women coming in, or and the young men bringing them in and saying, hey, you know what? I know you're in a tough spot. You know you probably need some help. If you want to go in, that's your choice, but I just want you to know that there is help. There are people that will help you raise this baby, or if you don't want to raise it, to find a good home for it. There's people that help you through, through this hard time. You don't have to do this alone. And not only that, we can help you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and, and spent a lot of time doing that. And saw a lot of babies and women put their faith in Christ and a lot of babies saved. But what made it difficult after a while is the clinic, when they saw they were losing customers, and it's all about money, they don't, it's all, that's all they care about, they started trying to get people to come out and help them bring the women in without us getting to them. And they, what they would do is they would hire these, uh, they would call them escorts. We call them death escorts. They would surround the women as they got out of the car and walk them in so that we couldn't talk to them. And we weren't going to get into pushing, shoving. Yeah, it was none of that stuff. You know, we did our best to reach the women. But, but what we tried to do is talk to the escorts then and said, listen, I would say, why are you doing this? Why won't you let us give the woman a true choice? Give her a real choice. That's all we want to do. We're not going to get in her face and be mean. We're just offering a merciful way. They're, no, we have the mercy. We're trying to help these women. They're in a tough spot. And so we have, because of our mercy, we're helping them. I said, well, that's twisted mercy. Real mercy says we will help this woman and save the baby. That's real mercy. 
But you see, that's the, twisted, that's the twisted view that the world has. I'm just giving you one example. This whole false mercy out there that says, you can live any way you want. Don't put people down for living any way. If it goes, who cares what the Bible said? You can live any way you want. And don't throw stones. And we always forget that next little verse there. Jesus said, go and sin no more. That's part of the mercy. It wasn't just not throwing stones, which we, we shouldn't do in the wrong way. We shouldn't throw stones anyway. But I mean, we, we have to judge actions at times. But, but Jesus said, go and sin no more. That's the other part of the mercy. Even churches fall prey to this false mercy. They start to, they, many, many churches in our country preach a social gospel. They don't preach the gospel of Jesus Christ much. They just preach, got to love your neighbor and take care of people and feed the, the poor and all that. And those are very important things. We better be doing those things. But if all we do is feed people and give them clothes and make sure they have a nice house and we don't tell them about Jesus Christ, what have we done for them? Nothing. Nothing eternally. Nothing. Real mercy, biblical and Holy Spirit-empowered mercy does both. Takes care of people's physical needs and their spiritual needs. Very, very important. I think of Julie Stone in Cameroon. A lot of you, you know, we prayed for Julie and she's been here many times. She's an AIDS doctor, works with HIV patients in Cameroon. In, in a hospital, a Christian hospital, and her whole goal is to help people survive this disease and not pass it on to their children and all that, and she shares the gospel. In fact, they had a big tug-of-war recently. Remember, we were praying for her, and they were going to stop using the gospel in the hospital, and she says, oh, I'm, I'm out of here then, because if, I'm not just going to keep people alive, you know, for a little bit longer. I want to keep people alive forever. And that's biblical mercy. It takes care of people's physical needs and their spiritual needs. That's biblical mercy. And Jesus says, if we are truly merciful, we will be shown mercy and be blessed. Now remember, this is not talking about salvation. This is post-salvation, okay? We already have God's mercy. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you've taken that step, we say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I put my faith in Jesus Christ and, and receive his forgiveness and give my life to him. Once we take that step, we talk about this all the time. Once we take that step, we have received God's mercy because of our position in Jesus Christ. But Jesus here isn't talking about that mercy. He's talking about the, the um, experiential mercy, the daily mercy, the, and how it affects the, the way that we show mercy to others and how it affects our relationship with our God, our Father. When we help people in need... When we treat others graciously and forgivingly, that affects our relationship with our Father. If you're a parent and you have kids, same thing. You know what I'm talking about. If, if one of your kids is bullying the others or teasing the others or being mean to the others, what do you say? Well, right now I'm using Santa Claus, but, uh, but uh, you know, that's what I'm working. I, I got about 30 day, 28 more days of that, but, but typically what I say... What if that kid, what if they come to you and they just bopped one of the other kids on the head? I'm sure nobody here has ever experienced that. But, but one kid bops one on the head, and then they come up to you and want to give you a hug, and they want something from you. What do you say? <laughs> well, I'm not going to say what I say, but we're tempted to bop someone, right? And, and we, that, that, that can't. Our relationship is affected until they go and make things right and say sorry and, and make it right. 
I always use the hug thing. I used it the other day. One of them hit their sister. I'm not going to use names. But it made them cry. And I said, well, you, before you get what you want, now you have to go give her a hug and say, you know, I love you. Ah, they're freaking out. And I made them do it, you know. And then they, that's the only, you know. But that's the way that they treat their siblings affects the way that we relate to them, right? And it's the same way with us with God. It's the same way. If we really want to be blessed by God, receive his mercy, we have to be merciful. And we'll be blessed in three different ways. One is an inward blessing. An inward blessing that we're going to experience that joy. And in fact, in Proverbs eleven seventeen, the King James Version says, The merciful man doeth good to his own soul. I love the way that they put it that there. When, when, we do, when we're merciful to others, you, you feel it, don't you? Don't you sense it? That joy and, and the, we experience the good to our own soul. Also, we'll be blessed by other people. Not just inward blessing, but others will bless us. Because if we, if we show other people mercy, guess what they're going to be doing to us? Who are we more prone to show mercy to? To someone who's merciful or someone who's mean? We're more, you know, that, that's the same idea. So if we're showing mercy, it comes back on us all the time. It's amazing to see it. Also, God will show us mercy. He's going to be showing us a mercy. In fact, in Matthew 18, 21 to 35, it's worth reading this one. Matthew 18 says this. I know it's behind me, but let me pull it out of my verse here. Where he talks about the unmerciful servant. And this is really convicting. Sorry, Matthew 18. Where he says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of God is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants, and he began the, the settlement. A man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay the, ma- pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and not, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him by the neck and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all your debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Ooh. That's convicting, isn't it? Who is God calling us to be merciful to? Not who deserves it, (laughs) but who doesn't deserve it. I mean, that's the whole point, right? We didn't deserve it. Jesus died on the cross for us. That's the whole point. Maybe it's somebody we can't forgive or we don't want to forgive. And, and, you know, we have the book in the back. I've mentioned it many times. Victory Over Darkness, Chapter 7, The Forgiveness Chapter. talks about how to, 
work through this. It's a really good chapter, so if they're in the back, help yourself. But someone we really don't want to forgive. Most people that hurt others are hurting themselves, are hurt already, have been hurt. Most miserable people are miserable already and they want everybody else to be miserable. They can't articulate that, but that's what they're doing. They're miserable. They're hurting, so they hurt other people. They want other people to be miserable. And, and it's just the way it works out. And, and we can't change that person. Believe me, I've tried. We can't change that person by telling them or showing them or giving it back to them. That's not going to change them. That's just going to make them worse. We can only change them by showing them mercy. It's only mercy. That's why Jesus says, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you'll heat burning coals on his head. It, that's what's going to convict them. That's, what's gonna, that's the only thing that can change them. I mentioned Scrooge earlier. Maybe there's a Scrooge, Ebenezer Scrooge in your life. Look how he changed the Christmas story. Think all the Christmas stories. What are they all about? You know, Rudolph is... The abominable snowman, you know, the snow monster, right? He changed, you know. Okay, they pulled his teeth out, but he did change, right? Uh, the winter warlock. They did something nice to him. His icy heart melted, you know. That's what, that's what changed. It was, it was a gift that was Chris Kringle gave him, you know. Gave him, and uh, that melted his icy heart. That's all the Christmas specials are on. I'm already watching them all. You know, Kevin and I are watching all these Hallmark movies. It's always about somebody changing. Somebody does something nice. Some mean person changes. But it, it's not the mean. We don't change a mean person by being mean. It's, it's the mercy that changes them. How is our mercy meter doing? Our mercy, how are we doing with mercy? I know it's hard because it's the holidays. And, and I, I know we put up our Christmas tree yesterday. My mercy meter went way down very quickly. Uh, it was not good. But uh, the, in all the stress and the shopping, all that stuff. But, but what, how is our mercy meter doing? You know the elf, I've already watched it three times, right? Elf, you know, and, and how the, the sleigh couldn't fly because the Christmas spirit meter, you know, the Christmas spirit meter wasn't going. People didn't have the right Christmas spirit. Find enough Christmas spirit, send the sleigh to fly. Forget that. The mercy meter. How is our mercy meter doing? Where is, where is that? Where, where is it? How is it working there? And it's not something that we can make happen, is it? <laughs> we can't be merciful in the flesh. It's something that we can only say, God... Help me. I need you. I need, I need to be, remember the steps, the poor and the meek and the broken and all these different steps that, that we need God to work this in us. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. We can't say, I'm going to be more merciful. It's like, God, I need you to fill me with your mercy and empty of myself and fill me with your mercy. Who is God laying on your heart? What need is God putting on your heart? Remember, a big part of mercy isn't just forgiving and, and gracious, but it's also pity and compassion and acting on that. What person is God putting on your heart to show mercy to? The attitude and the action. An action that will help out. Maybe it's fixing somebody's car or giving them some money. We have a benevolence in our church. I got this little account, but people do it naturally all the time. People constantly helping each other out. 
But it's not just money. People need meals. They need encouragement. They need someone to watch a kid. They just need an encouraging word. There's so many ways that we can show mercy. Who is God putting on our heart to show mercy to? And what is blocking our receiving mercy from God? Maybe here, and you can't receive mercy because you've never received his ultimate gift of mercy, Jesus Christ. You've never put your faith in him. That's the first step, is putting our faith in Jesus Christ, coming to the mercy seat. In Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us... Let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Have you ever approached that throne of grace and said, God, I believe Jesus died for me. Gave his life for me in my place. Has made a way for me to have a relationship with you, God. And I put my faith in him. my trust in him. I'm asking for your mercy and your grace. Have you ever taken that step of faith? And it, it doesn't stop there. This verse is really for those who have already put their faith in Christ. We have to keep coming to that throne for mercy and grace. Mercy and grace. God, help me to, to forgive this person. Help me to confess this or get this out of the way that's blocking my coming to that throne. Help me to, to, to keep on being forgiving and, and compassionate with people. Sometimes my kids make me crazy. They keep doing the same thing over and over and over. And it doesn't matter how many times they say, why are you doing that? You, I just, didn't I just discipline you from this yesterday or five minutes ago? Or why, why, do you ever feel like that? Times it by 13, right? And I'm, I'm like, why, why do you, and every, whenever I can hear myself, I'm saying it to them, why do you keep doing the same stupid thing over? And I hear this little Holy Spirit whispering, just like you. Just like you. 50 years I've been telling you some of these things, and you keep on doing them. God's been so merciful to us. He wants us to show that mercy to others. And as we come into this, we come out of Thanksgiving and thanking Him, and we're coming into this Christmas season, that's the time to really show the mercy, isn't it? Let's pray. How is God speaking to us this morning? Maybe here today, and you've never received God's mercy through His Son, Jesus Christ. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, is calling you to take that step of faith. He wants to melt that icy heart of ours and give us a brand new heart with his son, Jesus Christ, living in that heart. The spirit of Christ living in our heart. We are saying, just say, God, I, I need your mercy for everything I've ever done wrong, everything I ever will do wrong. I need your mercy. I repent of, of, of everything I've done wrong, all the sin in my life. I repent of it. 
I ask for forgiveness through your son Jesus who died for me. I put my faith in him. I give my life to Jesus Christ. If you've prayed that prayer, or if you do pray that prayer, you've just received total forgiveness, total mercy. And God is no longer your judge, but he's your father. And he wants a close relationship with you. I want to encourage you to let somebody know if you've taken that step. Tell me on the way out. Email me, text me. Tell a friend that you've come with. Tell somebody so that we can help you grow closer to God and your new relationship with him. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is God speaking to us as we leave Thanksgiving and come to the Christmas season? What monster, what person is God calling us to help melt their icy heart through mercy? Maybe the heart is our very own that we need to ask God's help in forgiving and then do it. Maybe we realize we've been very judgmental and the mercy meter is very low and we just say, God, help me to have a, a merciful attitude. Maybe our prayer is, God, give us eyes of mercy to see people that need compassion and loving action to help them. Father, we know we're surrounded by a sea of people who are hurting, and you've given us a great gift of mercy. I pray that we would be very sensitive, each one of us, starting with myself, we would be very sensitive with recognizing people that are hurting and need compassion And even more important, just as important, reaching out and touching these people with the love of Jesus Christ. We pray that this would be a very special Christmas season as we come in toward Christmas. That we would experience Christmas in a whole new way as you use us to touch people's lives. Pray that in Jesus' name.